Hey y'all, it's the Dance No Cap Podcast, and we are coming live from Seattle, Washington at Everzook. And today we have a very special guest, but first we're here with DJ Efosa, DJ Archie, Jesse, okay, and today our very special guest, we have our glittery goddess, um, sultry, sparkly, Rhinestone, DJ Rhinestone, Elena, coming straight out of DC, DMV, holding it down, what, what? Hello. <laughs> I'm good. I'm I'm chilling. I just got a massage. I'm feeling loose. Right. I, that's how I need to be feeling right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I literally talked to her downstairs and I was like, Are you booked out? She was like, I got a couple spots. And I was like, All right, where's the thing? And in my head, I'm already debating, but I had the rule. It's like, if I'm at an event, I see a massage therapist, I got to get a massage. Mm-hmm. Rose is great, too. Yeah. And so, but then I'm like, Man, but my pocketbook. <laughs> so she was like, Yeah, but you gotta go to the front desk and you gotta scan the thing and then go on the website. Oh, that's too much. That's too much. If I was fighting for it in one side of my head, then the other side of my head justified not doing right. it. She so, just should have yeah. said, I take cash out. Yeah. You know? <laughs> there we go. Bam. Right. But anyway, that's dope though. You're feeling great. Feeling good. Feeling good, yeah. It's been a it's been a good weekend. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Okay. Man. So you're here to talk about body neutrality. Body image, body neutrality, yeah. Okay. That's the, that's the stuff. What is body neutrality? That is a great question. Thanks for asking. <laughs> um, so body neutrality is a segment of the uh, body liberation, like fat liberation movement. Um, body positivity is a term that's been used in the past, but I think a lot of people are moving towards body neutrality because it's a more... It, it doesn't have the same kind of connotation to it that body positivity does, right? So it's like, if you're not feeling good about yourself and you go look in the mirror and you're like, I am beautiful. Like, if you don't really believe that, it has kind of a hollow ring to it and it actually doesn't really help. Yeah. In fact, I would say in some instances, it can actually kind of hurt, right? Yeah. Um, but if you kind of take out the... Um, the positivity association and you look at it from a super objective perspective, like, um, I have a body and it supports me. Like I, my body does what it's meant to do. You know, it functions, it carries me through. I mean, sometimes it doesn't, but for the most part, like it does what it's supposed to do because body image is something that is kind of unique to humans. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people, a lot of other species, like you don't see a mushroom sitting there on the forest floor and being like, Oh, I'm like a short mushroom. Like they don't care. They're just mushroom. Yeah. They do mushroom things. So, <laughs> so body neutrality is kind of like taking yourself outside of the societal constructs that make us feel bad about ourselves and hate our bodies and just appreciating your body for what it does, which is keeping you alive and functioning. Yeah. Um, so yeah, okay. in a nutshell, that's what it is. Um, so yeah, I have to say when I first came to DC and knew the Brazilian Zook, um, I did see you mm-hmm. and I saw you wearing, I saw you wearing this outfit, but your stomach was out. Okay. At the time I was also heavy. I was like 200 pounds cause mm-hmm. I was coming off pandemic, you know, mm-hmm. how it is. <laughs> 
But I was like, dang. And I hated to show my stomach. I was like, dang, if she can show her stomach, I can show my stomach. So you are the reason I started wearing crop tops. Because you know like the Zookers, they have like a um, different style than the yeah. Kidoma dancers. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, okay, I'm going to buy some crop tops as part of my Zooker. Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm so happy to hear that. Yeah. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's something that I've been working on since I kind of came into the whole body neutrality, like fat liberation kind of movement, is trying to inspire what I call like hot fat bitch outfits. Mm-hmm. So, and fat, I'm using that as like a purely objective term. So I feel like fat has a really negative connotation. Like people use it as an insult, like, oh, you're fat. And it's like, fat's just a descriptor. Mm-hmm. Like you can't feel fat. You can't like look fat. You just, you're either fat or you're not. You have fat or you don't, you know? So I've been trying to use that term as more of just like a descriptor and so um trying to start a club like the hot fat bitch club you know (laughs) because i really like like this is a whole tangent in itself but like plus size fashion and like not straight size fashion is like atrocious you know it's like they're dressing you like go to target and like look in the normal section and then go to the plus size section it looks like like you're trying to dress like an 80 year old grandmother but like it's you know to cover your body or like yeah your it's like oh the only skin you can have is like a cold shoulder what? top you know like <laughs> i hate cold shoulder tops with a passion it's like and the thing is it's like why not just make the same things but in bigger sizes yeah because it's not okay for you know have, how many times have you been told i don't know i mean i'm we're yeah mm-hmm. the three people at this table with with boobs right like uh-huh. Oh, you're showing too much cleavage. Like, yeah. am I showing cleavage or do I just have boobs? Yeah. You know, like, so there's this whole thing with fashion. I'm basically trying to get people to be more comfortable wearing clothes you would normally only see a straight size person wear, mm-hmm. right? Um, calling it hot fat bitch fashion. Okay. So. <laughs> and representation so, is so important, right? Like, yeah. having somebody that they can look to with confidence that has found a place of just like, decorating their temple in a way that pleases them right because that's yeah. what body image is like yeah. for me at least i had to adjust my image of it mm-hmm. um because i'm on a different end of the spectrum like i'm very naturally very thin i'm very naturally very small mm-hmm. and i have very low muscle tone and so i've always looked like super tiny like mm-hmm. this me right now i'm probably a good like 20 pounds lighter heavier than mm-hmm. when I first started the scene and I was even smaller. And that comes with its own like almost archetypes of how people expect you to look and mm-hmm. how they expect you to dress. And like clothing for smaller people like me makes you look like a child, which yeah. is not how I want to portray myself. Like yeah. I'm actually a whole grown person. Mm-hmm. Um, and it also comes with its own like people are watching your body consistently. Mm-hmm. Like consistently they're keeping track of you and it becomes part of your identity of like, oh, you're the skinny girl, right? Yeah. And I remember there was a period of time where I was like, just my body was changing. Do you know what I mean? My hormones were changing and I gained like 30 pounds. Like I was my thick stage and I was feeling myself so hard. <laughs> like Amber heard me. I was so I obsessed with myself. I was like, oh, I'll take pictures and put it in the group chat. I'm like, look at my booty, booty. <laughs> And I was just so excited about it until people started approaching me and being like, are you okay? Are, yeah. are you pregnant? Like it was them, people were chasing me down, like very obsessed with this idea of like imposing something on my body because it had morphed into something different than what they anticipated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I feel that very particularly in dance because dance is so much focused on like the art of how your body moves. Mm-hmm. And instead of focusing and appreciating like the fact that your body can do all of these amazing athletic things we're asking it to do, People aren't focused on how you're like. They're looking at the aesthetic. Yes. Yeah. 
And yeah. I think that that's something with like the fat liberation movement. I think the term makes people think like it's only for people in bigger bodies, but it's mostly to like, I think a main goal is to remove commentary on people's bodies altogether. Yeah. It's like when a skinny person gets fat or a fat person gets skinny, like, or a skinny person gets skinnier, someone always has something to say. Mm -hmm. They're like, oh, like, are you okay? Are you eating enough? Or like, oh, you look like you've gained some weight. You know, you should stop eating so much. And like, that is such a poor indicator of health. Yes. First off, you know, like sometimes when someone loses a lot of weight all at once, that's not a good thing. Like mm -hmm. sometimes it means they have something wrong. Like, yeah. So I think like in general, the goal of body neutrality is to remove that kind of commentary altogether. Yeah. You can say other things. If you think someone looks really good, you can say things like, wow, you look like you're so glowy, mm -hmm. you know, or your skin looks so great or like something like that. You know, you don't have to be like, oh, wow, your body is like bigger or smaller. You know, it's just not necessary to compliment someone and or even to tell them that you think that they look healthy, you know, like, yeah. so. I have, I have two questions in the second one. You need to stop over. hitting the table. <laughs> yeah, I can. <laughs> but for the future, you can try to do that. Um, two questions, and then the second one will come later. Mm -hmm. How did you arrive here? Because I know you yeah. have like a history in like gymnastics. Yeah. And, like, you're crazy oh. and athletic when it comes to that. <laughs> Thanks. Um, and it, it, I mean, it legit, and I'll say this before you answer the question, it comes out in your dance mm -hmm. because stereotypically whenever somebody sees a heavier person they're like they shouldn't be able to do those things right and then they see you and you're just like she can like kick her leg straight <laughs> up in the yeah. air <laughs> i saw her do that one time and you weren't even like you were just walking and you just picked your leg up it was at the airport and i was like how can she just do that's that that's such a mean thing to do right. like just walking in the airport and it's yeah. <laughs> oh my god, it's out of control. No, but yeah, so that's that's a really good question. So I yeah, I started in gymnastics. Like my mom did gymnastics and dance and my sister did gymnastics and dance and I did gymnastics and dance and I was always very small and very athletic. I didn't have boobs, I didn't have a butt, I was tiny. And unfortunately when I was in gymnastics it was a pretty toxic environment. Like there was a lot of body commentary, um, in ways that didn't even matter. Like, oh, you're too tall to do this thing. Like, you're not small enough to flip this way, you know? Mm -hmm. And it was like a lot of thinly veiled body discrimination disguised as like, oh, it's just physics, you know? Like, yeah. um, and then I realized that a lot of that was BS later on in life when, you know, I was doing things that I had previously been told I wasn't able to do, mm -hmm. but it took a long time to get there and like, you know, my um, circle at the time, they were very well-meaning, but I think like when I quit gymnastics, I quit because of an injury. So I quit very abruptly and my body changed very quickly. Like mm -hmm. I started to get fat in more places. I grew boobs, I grew a butt. Like my arms started to get a little chunkier and there was constant commentary on it. It was like, oh, your arms are looking bigger. Like you shouldn't wear that tank top, you know, blah, blah, blah. And so I started to gate this like very skewed perspective of what a normal body looks like because mm -hmm. I had come up, you know, having a six pack and like being super skinny. And then I had what would be considered, I think, a very normal amount of body fat. But mm -hmm. I thought that it was like way worse than it was. Um, so even though I didn't live in a bigger body for all that time, I was definitely, you know, had a lot of internalized fat phobia and all that stuff that a lot of us do in, you know, this culture that we live in. Um, and I was like, I had an eating disorder that went undiagnosed for like 
13 years mm. and all this like dieting back and forth and I was trying to lose weight from the time I was like 15 until COVID was when I finally stopped trying to diet, stopped hating my body and stopped trying to change it into something that, you know, it wasn't. Um, and I was very fortunate that I just happened across a lot of material that helped me with that. So um, I forget exactly how I discovered like the body positivity movement, but I started following some influencers and stuff. And then some people were talking about intuitive eating. And I was like, oh, that's really interesting because I didn't think that I had an eating disorder. I just thought that I was bad at dieting, you know. Um, and then I was like kind of exposed to more of the stuff, kind of went down a rabbit hole. And I was like, oh, shit, I have an eating disorder. Um, because once I gained a lot of weight, like when I was in college, I, um, I had this eating disorder and I gained like 40 pounds in a year. And I still had like, I think what would be considered an acceptable amount of body fat, but like you know, in your own head, when your body changes like that, you it's like, yeah, yeah, and I had a lot of people, like, because I was still really muscular, and I probably weighed more than someone who's normally that size would weigh, yeah. like, I had a, a doctor tell me that I was, like, in the obese range with BMI, and that I yeah. needed to go on a diet, she had no idea that I had an eating disorder, but she just said that, Jeez. with no, you know, caution whatsoever, and, you know, all of those things, like, made it worse and worse, and so, during COVID, like when COVID started, I was at the heaviest that I'd ever been. And it was hard to deal with because every time your body goes through changes, like through life, it'll go through changes. But every time that my body changed to get lighter, I would celebrate. And every time it got heavier, I would hate myself. Right. So I found these influencers that were talking about intuitive eating and like these registered dietitians that had these accounts of like eating recovery, uh, eating disorder recovery. And I realized that I, you know, could take that jump. And at the time I wasn't in therapy anymore. Um, but I just followed like the guidelines that I was seeing and it was very scary because with intuitive eating, it's like for you to recover, you have to reset your body's hunger cues because when you have an eating disorder, like your body is conditioned to like uh, respond to all these different things. It's like yeah. you associate the feeling of hunger with good and you associate the feeling of being full with bad and there's like all this messed up psychology. Yeah. So with intuitive eating, you have to go through a period where you're eating everything that you crave. Yeah. You eat anything that you feel like eating with no hesitation and it's terrifying because yeah. you realize that at the end of the day, your worst fear is being fat. Yeah. And you're like, if I eat all this stuff and I gain all this weight, what's gonna happen? Yeah. And so through that process, I realized that I needed to let go of that as being the worst thing that could happen to me. Yeah. And once I got rid of that feeling and I was able to do the intuitive eating thing and over about you know, six months or so, um, I realized that I was eating a normal amount. I wasn't binging anymore. I wasn't, um, maybe we should put a trigger warning at the beginning of this podcast yeah. about all this stuff. But um, I realized that I actually was eating normally and I wasn't gaining weight anymore because before that I was in this binge and restrict cycle that was basically crashing my metabolism and causing me to gain all this weight. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, the me stopping the weight gain was a byproduct of me eating normally that wasn't the goal it was to stop gaining weight the goal was to take care of my body and stop putting it through all this trauma yeah. you know um and so through all that like i started going deeper in the rabbit hole and like finding all Wait, these different I want to pause you there yeah because i feel like the story is so good but i'm having so many thoughts and if i don't say them i will lose them sam <laughs> go down that adhd yeah, train you're girl hit saying it the ADHD, it's hard sometimes <laughs> But your story is so, like, it's so compelling, it's so interesting, and it backs up so many things that I feel like I'm seeing and I'm feeling and are normalized and people don't realize. 
um, because I am obs- like ADHD rabbit holes. I go down them hard. I did. I dedicate myself in psychology is often one that I go down. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you know it comes up on TikTok and you learn a lot. And one of the things that I feel like I really learned about inadvertently was how little like how lacking the education is on eating disorders and mm-hmm. people basically sum it up to like bulimia or anorexia but there's so many different scales. everything in between yeah, yeah there's so many different scales and shades of like being obsessive about like your health and calling it like healthy eating but then having like a deep fear and anxiety attack about letting a single carbon go into your body mm-hmm. like that's disordered eating yeah that's a, orthorexia orthorexia yeah. that's what it's called mm-hmm. and it's like there's certain things that people do like maybe you will like sustain from like eating for the whole day and then just have one like big dinner like that's a disordered eating like People yeah. sum it up to one big extreme thing, but if you are not eating regular meals, you have a yeah. disordered relationship with food and eating. There are also a lot of diets, like keto diet was developed, I think, for people with epilepsy. Yeah. And it's used as a tool to lose weight for people that might not biologically be compatible with this particular diet, yeah. but it's like thrown at them as a solution yes. to lose weight, you know? I so. Yeah, and I just want to say, like, part of this all boils down because I feel like there's certain um, mental illnesses that come down to OCD, mm-hmm. OCD, and needing to have control. Yeah, and sometimes people slide around in these OCD areas. Like, it may manifest as like you physically injuring yourself as like an OCD like way of feeling control and pain, mm-hmm. and then it, you get over this area, you heal it, but maybe that internal wound is still there. Like, you yeah. pull out that physical cues. But then you melt into something. The like mindset you, is still exactly, in there. Yeah. The yeah. mindset yeah. of like restriction, of hurting yourself, like it all, then it melts into an eating disorder possibly or mm-hmm. something, a substance abuse or whatever else. So yeah. I just like what you're talking about and like the way that you healed with intuitive eating and removing that like punishment cue and that shame mm-hmm. cue that I feel like a lot of us have built in that then comes out as bad coping mechanisms. I think it's so important for people to stop and realize that when you have these like you need to get down to the root of it. If you don't, yeah. it's going to manifest as something else where you're trying to exert control where you shouldn't. It's I very agree. interesting because um, at the end of the day, mindset is like, in my opinion, the biggest thing whenever it comes to, in my opinion, <laughs> mindset is the biggest thing whenever it comes to how you approach food, since that seems like what we're talking about right now. Um, because there are ways to intermittent fast in a healthy way. Mm-hmm. There are ways to go about different types of ways that you decide to eat. Um, but if the mindset is, I hate myself if I don't mm-hmm. end up looking a certain way based yeah. off of how I'm eating, or like you're not enjoying your life in a way that you don't feel like your entire worth is formed by how much you're eating or mm-hmm. how your body ends up looking because of what you ate or what you didn't eat. That right there is like the root of it, you know? Yeah. Um, well, and then you get into food morality, which is kind of another subset of this whole discussion. Um, 
where a lot of people are labeling foods like good or bad yeah. right. and there's like or a certain amount of shame clean, for eating the bad food yeah right. and letting alone like the eating disorder aspect there's like a discrimination aspect in there too because there are people that don't have access to the good yeah. foods you know there are people in marginalized communities that can only afford to eat instant noodles and yeah. shit like that you know and not saying that that's like something that shouldn't change but that language around it is very like I said, discriminatory. Oh, it's um, great. It's also crazy because, like, as far, when it comes to, like, the fitness industry itself, the fitness industry, it, it, whenever it approaches food and dieting and stuff, is, like, super toxic mm-hmm. in a lot of areas. It has been for a long time because of the way that they preach about how to lose weight or how you fast you should lose weight. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I mean, crash dieting, I don't think is good. Like, you were talking about how, like, Whenever I see somebody, and I'm sorry, like, but like, whenever somebody's like, I lost like 30 pounds in a week, I'm like, that's not. That's not good. That's not good at all. And so it's like, but the fitness industry places certain people that look a certain way Mm -hmm. as ad, and then because it knows that people have the desire to look a certain Mm -hmm. way, and then it'll sell like or sell yeah. like a diet plan or sell like all these different things versus pushing people to and encouraging them to like strive to live out a healthy lifestyle and find out what that looks like for them mm-hmm. and this is this is where we get into like the the political side of things where fat phobia and like diet culture has really deeply rated rooted um beginnings in racism y'all so much so and you like BMI, which is uh, the American Medical Association actually just voted last yeah. week yeah. to eliminate B- BMI as like a measure of health yeah. because yeah. this was something developed not even by a doctor. He was like a Belgian astrologer what? that studied only white men to develop BMI, oh. which is like how they determine health and health insurance and obesity yeah, who, who, and everything. Y'all know what BMI is, right? Yeah, body, body, body mass index. index. Yeah, and it's basically oh. like height and weight, like you right. know. And it, he did this study with only white men, and it was like in the fucking 1800s. Sorry, can I cuss on here? Yeah, okay. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> in the 1800s, and this has been used as a standard up until like this year. Yeah, people is. are still, and they use it to determine like health insurance premiums and stuff. So like, if you're like a person who's you know in a BMI that they consider like obese, you're gonna get worse worse health insurance, or like get denied access to different things. And that, what's crazy about that is. That there's a lot of things that are like good measures, but BMI is definitely not one of them. And because I have I have like friends who like literally are not even like they're in shape, like they're athletes, you mm-hmm. know. But because they're a certain height mm-hmm. and because muscle also they have weighs muscle a lot, yeah, that weighs a lot. They'll, they'll do the body mass index measure and it'll be like, oh, this person's obese, and I'm like, yeah. this person is definitely not obese. Let's hey, go. LeBron James, you are. He would have a <laughs> a uh, body mass index that states that he's obese, right? right. But you see, he's like, like one of the best athletes in the world, LeBron, you know. You see his body. Yeah, there's no way he's right. gonna be obese. Um, yeah. Also, uh, from a medical perspective, black uh, women have the most dense bones out of all the women. What? So. Yeah, our bones are denser and uh, stronger. 
and white women white women are Asian have the um least brittle dense, bones. Yeah, the brittle <laughs> bones. So just based off bones, black women would weigh more. Not yeah. even counting everything else. So yeah. off the top, we already at the top of the BMI. Why are you asking me off so much? Like, oh. <laughs> come from my thick bones. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, I want to ask a question that I feel like is not talked about, like nearly, nearly enough. And I wanted to ask Archie and Afosa, what does body image look like for men in dance? Because I feel like I've never heard people talk about that. Oh, awesome. Damn, that's a question. <laughs> <laughs> I know how it looks like in real life. Like, obviously. Speak up. You know, muscles, abs, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But I feel like with dance, it's a little bit, I think sometimes, I think it's a little bit easier on the guys, especially when you see the bigger dudes, and sometimes it actually works to your advantage. Like, you're a bigger dude doing all this, moving the way you're moving, grooving the way you're grooving, mm-hmm. with all this on top of you. And it sometimes works to your advantage, your own benefit. Sometimes it's like some sort of frivolous, but I would, I would be lying to say um, that's where I personally want to be mm-hmm. for the rest of my life. Not saying that I hate my body, it's, it's taken some time, but I, I love where I'm at, but also love where I will be going mm-hmm. in the future. Mm-hmm. And that's been a long and hard conversation, but for I don't. I think it's a little, it's a lot easier for the men than it is for the women. I would agree with that, mm-hmm. especially in the dancing. Yeah. Outside the dancing, outside the dancing, it's a little it's different. I would say like not as much. I would say that men don't lack pressure to look a certain way outside for sure. of the scene. Yeah, but in the scene, I think that men are accepted a lot more than how women are perceived to be accepted in the dance. That, I mean, I might be able to correct me if I'm wrong, and I won't speak for women experience, but I feel like it might be harder inside the scene for women image versus outside of the scene I'm because you're an yeah. athletic and because you're a dancer and because of all this other stuff. It is. Yeah. I for sure had some, um, I had a dance manager, I don't know, I don't know what his official title is. He wanted to manage me and my partner at the time, and at the time I was a solid one twelve five two and very like just slim. Like, you five two? Yeah, I mean <laughs> in person in person, yes. In On person. my driver's license, I'm five three bitch, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know you it's were like five when I first wake up in the morning and I get up vertical, <laughs> measure me, I'm five three. Wow, you Listen. Thank you. You can actually put, told little that known fact, you can actually put any height you want on your driver's license. You can't check. Nobody's ever checked me. I've grown at least yeah. a There's a there's license. a guy there's a guy that I know like an influencer on TikTok that's like I gaslight men because I'm six two and I put on my driver's license that I'm five eleven. So that I have like official documentation to back it up when I tell men that they're shorter than they actually are. And I was like, that's genius. But you know what I think it is? It was a grown confidence in my body. Yeah. I'm just like, I've gotten to the point where like, I've always had a big personality. I've always had a big voice and I used to feel like I had to shrink and hide. 
Um, but now I'm just not afraid to take up space. Oh, like okay. I'm just completely unafraid of like, I know I'm gonna walk into a room. I know I'm loud. I know I have a loud energy and I'm just not afraid to own that anymore. So I think people oh, yeah. perceive that as tall. Okay. Mm-hmm. okay. Also, I'm loud. But I love that. That's something also that I feel like women in particular get real shame for is being yeah. loud and brassy, you know? Yeah, taking the attention away, like that's usually yeah. reserved for men. And I don't like, I don't wanna like speak for you guys' experience, but I think especially black women get oh, yeah. shame for being loud and like oh, hell yeah. having mm-hmm. a big presence. Oh hell yeah! People think we're bossy, and I'm like, I am a boss. Yeah, I'm absolutely boss. And that energy comes through (laughs) amazingly, and I love it. Like you command, you command the spaces that you're in, and I really like that. But in regards to your question, I think that um, men definitely have their pressure to look a certain way, both you know, in the dance scene and outside the dance scene, but with like professional dance couples, a lot of times you will see like a guy that's more like a dad bod or like more heavily set or whatever. And then their partner is like, you know, but you rarely see it the other way around. Yeah. Rarely. So I had a, so the guy that was approaching us, he was working with us. He, um, it was like a fishy situation to begin with. We were already kind of like half in half out. And he approached me because I think he could tell that I was kind of like not with the shits. Like the way he approached me was like a little bit disrespectful. And I don't, I don't do that well, you know? And so he's like, you know what? Um, I feel like you need to calm down. Like your partner's a better dancer than you and you need to lose at least 10 pounds. And I looked at the phone and at that point in time, I'm just like, you're not going to tell me I'm not skinny enough. Like that's just something that like. People can only get under your skin if you believe the lie. You know what I'm saying? And there are people that will fish for that lie that they think is gonna get under your skin. And that might work for some people, but it's just a truth I know about myself of like, you cannot tell me I'm overweight. Like I might need to develop muscle in certain areas. So I just looked at the phone and I was like, boy, bye. And I just hung up, but I was just like, like who the fuck do you think you're talking to? But that would work on a lot of people. And And I think sometimes they don't even think that you need to lose weight, but they're trying to neg you. Exactly. That happens in the modeling industry all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that like the the amount of pressure that women face with body image is something that's kind of perpetuated by the patriarchy. Oh yeah, um, because like you hear about like like dad bods or like a thing, right? And everyone's like, oh yeah, I got a dad bod, and it's like something that's kind of celebrated, but you don't hear about mom bods unless it's like the Pixar mom thing, where it's like you have a tiny little waist yeah. and a huge ass. Like yeah, you know, there's some some control issues that are mixed in with that for sure to be honest it's hard it's hard to like fight it but honestly the and it's hard as a female instructor when you really really are on display Mm -hmm. like you are putting your whole body even down to the dance costumes like the guy will be in like pants and a long sleeve Mm -hmm. shirt with a little bit of a v-neck and the girl's Mm -hmm. like ass out legs out boobs out like wearing basically a swimsuit you know which i kind of like Doing those outfits, like I don't mind it, but like the disparity is really obvious. It's and like it, why why can't the, the male partner be in hoochie daddy shorts? Like what's wrong with that? For real? You know? oh, I want the cheeks out. I want the cheeks out. I want the cleavage. Like give give it all to me. You know. Went from went from performance to magic mic. I honestly wouldn't mind. I honestly wouldn't mind. And you it's know? difficult because in different genres, the expectations are different. Like yes. in kids, urban kids, it's not necessarily you're the skinniest, but I think there is some value in being like curvy and having a booty so they mm-hmm. can see your body. But that's literally not even dances. That's culture. That's yeah. culture. Like it's there's the a culture. reason why in Europe they want every woman to be like a lampstand. <laughs> <laughs> like 
I yeah. talk to my French friends and my European friends, and they're like, like, all the guys over here just want us to be like super, super skinny. That's but I feel like within the dance friends. itself, because of the the features of the dance, they prefer because you're doing so much jenga movement with your booty. Girls that have a little bit of thickness to their butt, it but works in the advantage of the kids. African yeah, culture yeah, yeah. dance. Yeah, the yeah. culture of the dance is not regional. In, yeah, Afri- yeah, yeah. in like African American sure. culture, even though there is definitely like um, a a culture or a um, mm-hmm. bias towards certain size mm-hmm. is way more accepted for black yeah. women to be have a lot more shape. Yeah, yeah it's be but that, that cycles eyes. too because like you know back in the Renaissance era, like it was a sign of wealth and like mm-hmm. you know luxury if you were in a bigger body, right? Yeah. And then in the nineties you had like the wave culture where like yeah. you know Britney Spears gets up there with a completely fat stomach and all the headlines are like, Oh yeah. she's fat, you know? Yeah. And now you've got like the Kardashian image where everyone's like wants like giant boobs and a butt but like no yeah. waist and no fat anywhere else. Yeah. And so it's like the that's the thing that really like makes me sad about body image is that like we spend all of this time, you know, trying to fit ourselves into a mold that's constantly changing. Mm-hmm. And I think that in general, um, oh, I lost my train of thought. I had a thought. You're doing I lost great. it. ADHD, Swiss cheese brain. But uh, <laughs> um, what was I gonna say? The body mold that constantly changes. Yeah, it's gonna change. And oh, the diet culture industry is a seventy-nine billion dollar industry. That's the yes. thing. It all boils down to money. And there's they're gonna come out with these new ways. They learn the language and they appropriate it. Like Noom is a great example. It's this app that's like basically Weight Watchers in a new outfit. You know, it's like, I was doing that right before I found intuitive eating. I was doing Noom because I was like, oh, like it's COVID and I'm gonna like finally use this opportunity to like get back to my old body. The dope thing about intuitive eating too is I have a lot of fitness friends because I've been on a fitness journey for like the last three years Mm -hmm. and I have a lot of fitness friends who preach intuitive eating. Yeah. Because it's a lifestyle. Mm -hmm. It's literally a lifestyle versus like, just like destroying yourself because you don't, because you don't appreciate yourself. Yeah. I just say it like. And that. sometimes what you're craving is what your body needs right now. Like if you're craving, like when I was a vegan, I was constantly craving beef, and I hate beef, but it's because I need, like I was. You needed iron or you needed I protein. Need, yeah. Exactly, I needed iron or protein, and so when you get to the place where you have like a healthy relationship with your hunger cues and your body that call of like intuition of like, I'm craving this is most likely because your body's lacking the nutrients that goes mm-hmm. in that food. Exactly, yeah, it's not about like eating everything or eating like unhealthy foods. It's yeah. about giving your body what it needs in that moment. And yeah. just stopping whenever you feel like you want to stop. Exactly, yeah. Because yeah. gluttony can be a real thing too. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Also random, when I met Elena. Okay. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, again, I was doing Brazilian Zook and there's this move where you like bump hips? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. Bump you? No, okay. I had, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She did. I had only done it with men, oh. but then I did it with her, and like you know, she got some booty, so we did the <laughs> hip bumps. And I was like, oh, this feels good. <laughs> There's some recoil. I was like, yeah. yeah. Like this is like a cushion. Yeah. So I was like, I get why men like booty now. I totally mm-hmm. get it. Wait, you get it. Yo, now. You know what's so funny about that? I get it. Like, no, I no, get no. it. Let me tell you something. <laughs> there is a lot of women that do not understand why men like booties. What? Tell a us. lot. They don't understand okay, it. Wait, now wait, you understand I it. I totally get it now. Wait, tell us. What's the secret? And, and because then. it's cushioning. It's like cushioning. Well, it's also, oh, I've, cushioning. I've learned this recently. <laughs> yeah. I learned this recently, too. It, correct me if I'm wrong, fellas, but it's the ripple. 
Like the, the shockwave. Yeah. You see what you smack like, like, you want to be able to see the results of your work. <laughs> <laughs> sexy note okay um but i think that like in general body image and body neutrality is something that can benefit everybody like no matter what it's not wrong to want to change your body like if you want to lose weight or you want to gain muscle or you want to do whatever like that's awesome but just like check your mindset a little bit you know are you doing it because it's better for you personally are you doing it because it's going to help you achieve something or are you doing it to fit into something so you hate your body less you cannot yeah you can't hate your body into a version that you love it just doesn't work that way psychology shows you that like a negative mindset and like a lack of self-compassion is not sustainable it gets short-term results and does long-term damage and your body is gonna change like if it's not gaining weight you're gonna have a kid you're gonna get old you're gonna get wrinkles and i just think that like this our society's like obsession with preserving this like young waifish boyish like honestly like infantilizing yes. the female yes. body yes. and like yeah. yeah and it's like there's there's a lot of stuff around that too but yeah. i think like in general learning how to feel neutral and appreciative of your body no matter what stage it's in is going to yes. serve you well because you get to a certain age and like your body's not going to be functioning the same way it was it's not going to look the same way it was and like mm-hmm. either you're going to drop a fortune in plastic surgery or you're going to learn to like yourself and the other thing too is like even if you don't have kids but especially if you have kids like what are you passing on to them you know you grow up hearing your mom talk bad about her body and that's what you internalize and like there's some studies like the um i forget it's like the national health institute of health or something but they do a lot of studies on like youth psychology and it's like this crazy number that like the majority of girls young girls under 13 do not like their bodies and want to diet and that's just messed it up, is, you know? Is. And like you talk to anybody, like I was fortunate, I do have a certain amount of privilege that I didn't grow up in a bigger body. Like there was obviously a ton of fat shaming, but like people who grew up in bigger bodies, like they have lifelong trauma that they're gonna carry with them. Yeah. You know, even with all the body acceptance and body neutrality that we're getting into now, like it's still so prevalent and that's just so damaging for young minds. Like we gotta, we gotta change that for the next generation. If we can't fully get there for us, like, and it's you know. so easy to like be the change you want to see. Like I was the I'm the oldest of five kids, and all five of us have drastically different body types. Like mm-hmm. very drastically. Like I'm very short and thin. Um, my third sibling is shorter, but like got this insanely gorgeous like hourglass figure, mm-hmm. like fire. And then the, my youngest sibling's like five eleven, and they're just like. Built, you know what I mean? Like, just not even thick, but there's just, like, more to them. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? But, like, proportionately, because they're 5'11". And I remember distinctly, because my youngest sibling's 12 years younger than me, so I was basically, like, second parent to mm-hmm. them a lot. And I remember the experience of, like, my sibling that's right behind me constantly getting compared to my body. And it's, like, looking at them and watching them grow up, I'm like, you... Like, the people that would shame them, like, missed out on everything that my 
you know, that they had to offer. Like, they mm-hmm. were incredibly athletic. They were incredibly strong. Like, in their child, at no point in time yeah. has their body even done growing. And let alone that, like, there's so much more to people than just their body. Right. Like, we're teaching them that the only thing that matters is how they look. It is. And you can see it, like, in my siblings, you can see, like, seeing my second sibling, like, not see how beautiful I thought they were. Like, I always saw it. Like, my siblings are so freaking beautiful. So with the youngest one, like, the siblings, even if the adults weren't necessarily in the right place with their mindset, like, having one person that's gassing them up every day and being like, oh, you better work that new hoodie. Like, your smile looks incredible. Your hair looks incredible. Mm -hmm. Giving them things to focus on that, like, you know, when think about this when you're like when you're smiling, they're gonna think like, yeah, yeah. my sibling gassed up my smile. I know I'm the coolest. Yeah. And you can see it in their energy. Like my youngest sibling is the coolest fucking person. Yeah. Can hold a conversation with anybody. But it's because even though like there was negativity around them, there were certain people holding it down and constantly reinforcing the positivity. And, and that's super important people. because like your brain will hold it's a survival thing. Your brain yeah. holds on to the negative stuff yes. way more. So you have to give people that support. You have to give them that affirmation. You can be that person. Like it really, like one person can make such a huge difference in that journey for somebody else. And this is also where representation really matters too. Yes. Because like, you know, and I worry about that now that I'm, you know, that I see it more. And I remember the people that were there for me when I was first starting my dance journey and I was feeling shitty because even at the mostly straight, I was still like a size large. Like I wasn't in the plus sizes yet when I started dancing. And I, but I started dancing in LA. Oh. <laughs> That's tough. So I would go to like the bachata socials and like never get asked to dance. And like the only people who would get asked to dance were like the skinny blonde girls, you know, yeah. like. Um, and so now like when I'm in the scene and I put all this pressure on myself when I'm like in the Jack and Jill's I'm like I have to make it to finals because if I don't make it to finals there's not going to be any representation and all the fat girls in the crowd are going to look up there and be like I can't do that till I'm skinny but you know yeah. that that mindset can kind of be unhealthy oh it's so unhealthy and so I'm like <laughs> Well, I'm there. I'm like, I know. And I, I mean, yeah, putting yeah. the weight of an entire sect of people on your own shoulders. Right, and it's it's not healthy, but it doesn't doesn't stop the fact that sometimes it happens, you know. Yeah, and sure. like, I'm, I it's helped me in a way. It's made me be more fearless than I would have been for myself because I feel like I'm having to advocate for other people. It makes me braver. And I think that's really helpful too. When you have someone else, it's hard to do things for just yourself, especially if you don't have the most self-love in the world, and like the most sense of self-worth. But like if you're fighting for other people, sometimes it makes it a little bit easier. Yes. I, got, I got two questions. Mm-hmm. You um, had two questions earlier. I know. No, 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 no. <laughs> one of them came out, and this is kind of like, uh, it might go together in one question. Um, what are your thoughts? Because everything that you said, especially that last part, I agree with 100%. Mm-hmm. Um, what are your thoughts on if there's someone who is like actually like unhealthily obese, mm-hmm. but what's seen, unhealthily? Like, like where it's affecting like, their health, affecting like your health, like your joints can't like or like your blood your levels body, or, are like messed your up. Your intestines yeah. aren't being able to work properly because you're too old. You're like pre-diabetic, like something like that. Yeah, that are like that. That's a thing. Yeah. So, but I've seen. And I don't know what thoughts are on this either, but I've seen online where in some areas of like the body positivity movement, there are people that are just like, no, those people are fine too. Let them be okay in their bodies. And I'm like, but is this like, are they going to like die before they should because of their body, how it is? So like, do you like, what would you say to like a person? 
That is a really good point to bring up, actually. Thank you. Because this is kind of um, an aspect of the conversation around body neutrality. It's like if you see someone who is you know, having actual health problems, because there are actual health detriments to being overweight sometimes, right? Mm-hmm. Being like pre-diabetic or like your glucose levels are messed up or your joints are hurting, stuff like that. But unfortunately, that's between that person and their doctor. Mm-hmm. Like it's not our responsibility to police other people's bodies. It's not no, our responsibility, not right? But there is, that's like an element of fat phobia where it's like these people are being you know, shamed under like thinly veiled fat phobia. People are like, oh, I'm worried about your health. Like that's a comment that gets brought up a lot. And it's between that person and their doctor. The thing is though, if that person needs to change, what's not gonna help them is if people are like shaming them yeah. for their body and stuff like that. Or even just like looking at them and being like, oh, that person's unhealthy because they're fat. So it's a very complicated kind of thorny issue to hold mm-hmm. because um, even if you are, you know, obese to the point where it's affecting your health or something like that, like your worth as a person should still be held precious. And that's something that I think the medical industry really struggles with because there are a lot of people that will go to the doctor to get help for different health issues and stuff. Mm -hmm. And the doctors can only see their weight. Like there was a story with this woman who had like a 36 pound ovarian cyst and she kept going to the doctor at saying like, I have abdominal pain. And they were like, yeah, cause you need to lose weight. And then it turns out that she like, you know, almost died because they missed it. So it's like, it's important to have balanced perspective about everything. Like you can appreciate and love your body and yourself while still keeping track of your health. Like it's important to go to these physicals and like get your blood levels checked and, you know, Mm -hmm. have an overall picture of your health. But don't let societal expectations color that. Right. I would also like to say as a nurse, I have fat patients, perfect blood pressure, mm-hmm. perfect blood sugars, yep. absolutely nothing wrong. I have skinny patients, mm. yep. high cholesterol, mm-hmm. high blood pressure, mm. diabetic. Mm-hmm. You cannot look at a person and tell if they're healthy or not. Yes. So all this oh, they're fat, I'm concerned about their health. You don't know that. And a lot of times it's like a chicken and egg situation. Yeah. Like they might have PCOS that's making them gain weight. Yes. Like, and it's kind of intertwined. And a lot yes. of times this, correct me if I'm wrong, but the solution for someone who has problems that are stemming from being more obese might not be just to lose weight. You know, yes. and focusing on a weight loss solution might not help them. Maybe they need to exercise more. Maybe they need yes. to like change something that they're eating, but not with the intent to lose weight. Maybe it's right? a mental health issue. Like sometimes people too. gain weight as a result of a childhood trauma and it's like them being larger, especially when it starts when they're that young, like them being a larger is them pr- trying to protect themselves from whatever they were doing earlier. Mm-hmm. So you trying to like ask them to like shaming them to work out. Yeah. It's like you maybe will get them <coughs> somewhere for a certain amount of time, but a certain, po- like at a certain point, their brain, their safety mechanism is gonna kick in and be like, yeah. you know what? We're not safe doing this. Mm-hmm. I need to keep the weight on because otherwise I'm not. That needs to be addressed yeah. in a like mental health setting and shaming them and their health and you trying to diagnose them from the A lot of times you can make it worse. You yeah. can make it worse. I, I agree. Medical, the med- I mean, I know you're a nurse, so I'm sorry. But I, <laughs> the, medical, <laughs> boy, the medical industry, boy, it is, especially after we had Zariel, I almost uh-huh. punched the doctor in the face. Mm. I don't know if I ever told y'all the story. I'm not, I probably won't go into it, but I almost punched the doctor in the face. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so, and, and after that, we decided like, 
for the next kids, we're not doing a hospital birth. We're mm-hmm. doing a doula. We're doing yeah. like a birthing center. Like we are already kind of on that vein. But so I, that my thoughts on the medical industry and how callous it can be mm-hmm. and how like just like yeah. unsensitive and like no mm-hmm. bedside. There's a lot of money involved of in there too. Like my best friend is in medical school right now and the kinds of things that she tells me and like, you know, the kind of fat phobia that she encounters from doctors, like she got introduced to this cardiologist at the place where she works because her friend thought they would like be able to go on a date or something. (laughs) And like in their first conversation, he fat shamed her like to her face. Oh my God. Was like, oh yeah, I bet your mom like, you know, because they're both brown, right? He's like, yeah, I bet your mom like makes comments on your weight all the time, huh? Because you're like on the thicker side and stuff. And like, was like legit fat shaming her like right to her face. Like there's just some unshameful, you know, audacious behavior in the medical industry and like, let alone with racism. Like she was like, like the medical textbooks still don't show what some skin diseases look like on dark skin and stuff like that. You know, it's just the medical industry has its own, you know, problems. But I think that like, if we can expand the conversation around people's health and make, make fitness spaces a better environment to be like, you were talking about this earlier, Archie, how like the fitness industry can be really toxic when it comes to like, I, I got a gym membership, um, at, I won't say the name because we're staying away from names, but I got a gym membership at this gym because they offer like some really great benefits for a dancer. Like they have a big old studio that you can use anytime there aren't group classes going on and it's very cheap. You can bring a guest for free anytime you want. So I was like, this is great. And I knew going in, going into that environment that there was gonna be a lot of conversation around weight loss. Cause like they look at me and they're like, they don't think, oh, she's a professional dancer. They're like, aha, potential client, yeah, you know? Sure. And I like went in there and just as a protective measure, which is something I wanna talk about a little later if you guys can remind me is like how to advocate for yourself in these environments. But I was like, I went in and I told the guy like, I'm just looking to get stronger. I have a competition coming up in a few months where I need to be lifting my partner over my head. Like, I just wanna be strong. I don't wanna lose weight. I specifically said I'm in recovery for an eating disorder. I don't wanna lose weight. And he was like, okay, yeah, 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 we got you. But everything in that whole gym was branded around losing weight. It was like the personal training programs was like lose weight fast and like, you know, the there's a scale in the bathroom and like all this different stuff. and we're doing the intake paperwork and he's like, okay, so you want to try out the personal training trial? And I was like, yeah, yeah, it's free for the first session, right? And blah, blah, blah. Like, I just want to learn how to use some of the equipment that I'm not familiar with. And he's going over the paperwork with me. He's like, okay, so like, what's your BMI? And I was like, I don't know it and I don't want to know it. And he was like, and it doesn't matter. And he was like, he was like, oh, well we use it to like track progress. And I was like, I think that the progress is at the beginning I won't be able to lift the heavy thing and then at the end I will be able to lift the heavy thing I like, like I don't think me. my body fat percentage <laughs> has anything to do with me being able to lift the heavy thing and he was like well how are we gonna track progress and I was like just let's leave that where it is and move on to the next question oh shall God. we like and that's the thing is like you as a person in a bigger body and I want anybody on this thing to know, even if you're not in a bigger body, like to know how to advocate for keeping your psyche safe when it comes to your body neutrality journey. There are yeah. some things that let's take a pause. Cause I want to save that for like, what's the fix. And I right, do right. want to speak to like, just emphasize this. Cause I know in certain cult dance cultures and genres, like this becomes a very heavy, deep topic. And I know specifically amongst dance teams, this mm-hmm. is a very intense topic because they run, people run their dance teams like armies and you have yeah. to, and I appreciate that. But I just want to emphasize like this should not be a part of it. There is a way to do it right. There's a way to do yeah. it right, but I want everyone to be mindful and I want everyone to really like just emphasizing like some of the things that we've said, like you cannot assume people's health based on how they look. Mm-hmm. Don't, and this really, and I cannot hone this in enough, 
not just the larger people, but the medium-sized people, the smaller mm-hmm. people. Like, please stop labeling this on a spectrum of, like, good and bad and, like, holding people to certain standards because you're you're shaming the people that are larger, you're shaming the people that are smaller. And you're giving the people who are in the ideal body type fear if they ever yes. deviate outside of it. It gives people a complex and you're not appreciating what we're here to do, which is the mechanics and the physics of what we are mm-hmm. able to make with our body. And that can happen at any size, for any gender, for any yeah. person. Like let's focus on celebrating that mm-hmm. instead of the sizes. Riel from Riel and Jessica, um, he has this saying where he's like, as long as your bones are in the right place, you're fine. Yeah. You know, it's like it doesn't matter what you look like on the outside. Like there is um can I name drop in a positive way? Oh hell yeah. Okay. Really so really when I when I started dancing, yeah, um name. Yeah, I know, I know, but I figured that one was a given, okay? Um, no, so like when I started dancing, I joined a bachata team in the Bay Area called Innocence Dance Company. And the uh, directors, Brian and Samantha, like they were the first dance teachers, gymnastics teachers, any teachers that I had ever had to not make body type part of the conversation. In Go fact, off. Right, and they ran their team in such a great way, and it was one of the best, still is one of the best bachata teams on the West Coast, if not anywhere. Like, choreography, unparalleled, technique, unparalleled. But they made, like, effort to make me and these other dancers on the team who were not skinny, and, like, the director, like, she's amazing, hot, like, Ooh. body. But she <laughs> never was like, oh, you guys need to lose weight. She would be like, I'm it's trying to much. find a dance costume that is everyone's comfortable in, you know? And so she would try to find dance costumes that fit everybody, like, and cobble things together that made it work. And like, I really appreciated that. And that's something that I took into my own dance teams. When I started doing it, I was like, I actually have a survey that I give my people at the beginning of um, the season. And I'm like, it's, you know, no one's gonna see it but me. And I was like, tell me if you have some body insecurity so that I can make sure that we like, accommodate those like if you don't want your arms to show I will make a costume that has long sleeves if you're like self-conscious about your legs like I'll pick something flowy that like you know makes you feel good because like at the end of the day right like we're all in different parts of our journey and you also aren't going to get anywhere being like no love yourself like let your ass hang out I don't care how you feel about your legs you know like so I think that in general we just want to remove the people's bodies from the conversation that's so beautiful that you do that that's a really smart way to approach it I mean I I learned from the best (laughs) (laughs) anyways But yeah, no, it's like you can create good athletes. You can create good teams without taking that into the conversation, you know, like, and that's changing. I think overall I'm seeing it's becoming dance, gymnastics, other places are becoming a safer place for people with different body types. Um, So I think we are ready. Unless anybody else has questions, I think we're ready for what's the fix. So Elena, hit us with what the fix is. How can we combat this in dance and life in general what's the best way to advocate for ourselves all right so i would say there's multiple parts but i'll try to sum it up in the best way that my little adhd brain can manage (laughs) um so the first part i think is language is everything so try to be bring awareness to the kinds of language you use to describe yourself and bodies in general um Part of the fat liberation movement is trying to remove bias and like connotation from the words that are used to describe bodies like fat, bigger, whatever. Um, when you talk about yourself around younger people, you know, like not criticizing your body in front of people and stuff like that. Or like if you do feel critical of your body, like you can find ways to describe the way you're feeling without resorting to harmful language. Mm. So like one of the things that really bugs me is when I hear people say, I feel fat. 
Mm-hmm. Like, fat is not a feeling. Fat mm-hmm. is not an emotion. Like, what do you feel? Oh, you feel bloated. Mm-hmm. You feel sluggish. You mm-hmm. feel like those are all terms that are completely separate from fat. You yeah. don't have to use that as a word, right? Um, and just finding kinder and more neutral ways to describe those feelings. So that's the first thing, language, mm-hmm. because that affects your mindset, right? Mm-hmm. Um, acknowledging sometimes you can't change that behavior right off the bat but it's like it starts within yourself everything starts within yourself so like acknowledging without judgment almost like meditation when you're having a negative thought you don't have to immediately be like if you're like oh i don't like the way my waist looks you don't have to be like no no i do like it no it's sometimes you can be like oh wow that's kind of a negative thought huh and just leave it at that yeah you know like it's it's good to kind of build that kind of awareness in yourself mm-hmm. um the other thing i would say is learning how to advocate for yourself because even though you're changing your mindset the people around you might not be on board and that's pretty difficult sometimes so like feeling empowered to say uh, I would appreciate if we didn't talk about this right now, um, especially if you have family that's, you know, immigrant families and families like that can sometimes be really harsh being like, you know, I'm not going to participate in this conversation. You know, I would appreciate it if you didn't make comments about my body. Like even sometimes if they're being really, you know, assholey about it, you can just be like, wow, that's a weird comment. Why would you say that? You know, um, and just calling it out when you see it or if you don't have the energy or the space to call it out, just removing yourself from the conversation as best you can. When you go to the doctor, you do not have to see your weight. You can weigh, if they have to take your weight, you can get on the scale backwards, you can cover it. You don't have to know your weight and you can tell them, I don't wanna know my weight. You can tell them, like, I don't wanna talk about weight loss. You can set those boundaries where you need to set them. You're not at their mercy. You don't have to, you know, have the conversation just because they wanna have it, right? and if you're experiencing some kind of issue and they keep focusing on your weight like you can feel empowered to push back and advocate for them to actually run the test that you need and do that kind of thing like that's important because it could save your life this is what you need to say i want you to document that you are refusing to run xyz tests because that way it legally will be uh they can be held accountable if something happens because they didn't run the test. Uh-huh. I forgot about that. That is a wonderful point. Go on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Having a, the nurse. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um. So yeah, like being able to advocate for yourself and educate the people around you. Like you could kind of you can go down the route of like it's not your responsibility to educate people because it's not. But if we want things to change, we have to at least be able to advocate for ourselves um, and set an example. Um, there are resources out there if you're trying to lose weight or you want to change your body like you can look for coaches that have a body neutral mindset that promote intuitive eating and like just be aware of those things that like rebrand in a way that's like thinly disguised diet culture right like I like what a no, I'm not. No! Edit this out. Get Edit this out. Yeah, she released a book called Intuitive Fasting. Oh my god. And like, you know, she's like, oh, I only eat bone broth the entire day, and then I have a salad for dinner, and that's all I eat. When it's all show goop. Like, that's not intuitive. That's not intuitive. No, at all. but they they learn to use these buzzwords to disguise it as a healthy approach. Right, right. You know? But like that's. Doesn't even make any sense. <laughs> no, it doesn't, right? But they made it happen. So yeah, first it starts with you, then it will go to other people. And the best thing that you can do is learn to appreciate your body yeah. and appreciate yourself, and that will shine through for other people. Like Amber saw me wearing a crop top, yes. and I was like, that would have never happened years ago. And yes. since I've started doing that, other people in my circle have started doing that too, and dressing in ways that make them feel good. And like that's going to look different on everybody, right? Like not everybody can be a slut like me. <laughs> not everybody feels comfortable being modest. Like it's going to be as authentic as you can be with whatever you're feeling. 
and that's all you can do. Elena, tell us where we can find you on social media. How do we connect with you? I am mostly on Instagram these days, Elena the Rhinestone. I also have a YouTube channel, The Rhinestone. Um, just search my name with it because otherwise you might end up on some bedazzlement channel, which I won't <laughs> complain about because, as we know, I also love rhinestoning random things. Um, but yeah, Instagram's the place, at Elena the Rhinestone. So. That's dope, man. Thank yeah. you so much. Thank you, man. Yeah, I'm so honored to be you. on here. We appreciate it. It was a really good conversation. That was a really, really good conversation. Thank you. No, so. you guys have some amazing perspectives. So that was awesome. With that, we out. Peace. Peace. Peace.